Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World The Rundown. This is where we bring you the latest developments in the voice industry and discuss the practical applications and insights and opportunities for people within the industry. Brands, designers, developers and anyone else who's got an impact or interested in making an impact in this scene. I would like to welcome you, Dustin Coates, who joins us once again. Hello there, Dustin. Hey Ken, how's it going? Very well, thank you. We got some very good feedback from the last rundown, so excited to do this one again. Yeah, I think so, and there, there's been a lot of news uh, since we did that, so I think we'll we'll have a lot to cover. We'll we'll go through the highlights for sure, and we may miss some stuff, but we can always tackle it in the, uh, the rundown number three. Yes, yes, yes. It's been a, it's been a um, a bit of a busy kind of period over the last few weeks, and we've kind of finally got our kind of schedules aligned to uh, to do this so let's let's jump into it we've got as you said we've got we what we started out with about with about 30 stories and we've managed to whittle it down to a few so do you want to kick us off with with the first thing we're going to discuss yeah for sure the first thing that we came across was this story from TechCrunch showing that uh, google home mini was the top selling smart speaker in fact it accounted for one in five smart speaker sales in Q2. And this is a trend that we're seeing, seeing a lot. Uh, Alexa is still the leader for sure, but Google was encroaching. Uh, Apple was encroaching a little bit as well, but Google is definitely starting to eat into that pie. Kane, what do you think that this means for brands, developers, voice designers? Well, my I was in the process of drafting a blog post recently and when I was drafting this, I kind of, it's changed so quickly that I don't think that it's relevant anymore, but I'd be interested in getting your perception. My thoughts were initially, this was about three weeks ago, that you should probably be focusing on Google Assistant first rather than Alexa. So brands, developers, designers, if you're focusing on Google Assistant, you get two main things that you won't get on Alexa. One is the full transcript of your interactions with your users, which means more user insight, which means you get more information to be able to refine and iterate and build out a robust, fully functioning experience. And the other is that the usership on the, on, in the smart speaker space the usership on Alexa is less is more so sorry than Google. Therefore, it's less risky to go Google first. However, I don't know whether those uh, the insights on the transcripts is true. But I know I'm not 100% sure whether or not the insights on the usership is true because Google have been promoting not just the home smart speaker but the whole assistant uh, offering relentlessly over uh, over this uh, year so far. So. For brands and developers and for for designers, I think that the main, main takeaway from this really is that if you're not or haven't got under the hood on Google Assistant yet and you haven't really done much in the Google Assistant space, I think it's getting to the point where it's kind of unavoidable, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And I think the way I see it is that you really should be developing for both platforms, whether it's through... Uh, building the app twice or using a tool like Jovo uh, that we've had on a previous podcast, you should really be considering both of these platforms. I think the, the Google one is, uh, as a developer, I think uh, it's it's got some ways to go for sure, but I think in a lot of ways, it's a, it's a joy to use. And something to consider as well is 
is not just these smart speakers. Alexa certainly has the lead in that, but Alexa certainly also doesn't have a billion phones out there in the wild, uh, and Google does. So if you're thinking about this very broadly, and you go out and speak with people who have Android phones, ask them if they're using their assistants. A lot of them actually are, uh, even if they don't have a Google Home or a Mini or a Max at home. Mm. And a lot of people are using it without knowing that they're using Google Assistant, in inverted commas, a lot of people are talking to the phone and asking Google stuff without knowing that it's Google Assistant. It's just, I think, yeah, the, the, the mobile side, the, the Google Assistant experience on a mobile is actually really, really good. Um, and it, yeah, so it's definitely got one one over there. And just, going, just going back just briefly, you mentioned that, you know, for, for people considering developing, should certainly be considering uh, development for both Alexa and Google. What would you recommend them to use something? I know we've had Jovo on on the podcast, and the the guys at Jovo are absolutely fantastic. I love what they're doing uh, with with their product. I love their vision for the kind of multimodal future, which we'll probably get into a little bit actually in this episode. Would you would you kind of recommend for people to use a tool like Jovo, or would you recommend for people to focus specifically in each kind of uh, area? That's a tricky one because. I think it comes down to what you're trying to do, right? The great thing about a tool like Jovo or uh, Salesforce, actually, we didn't include this in the in the rundown, but I think this might actually be one of the biggest pieces of news over the past couple of weeks. Uh, Salesforce announced a lot of voice-driven stuff over the past, uh, I think it was last week. Uh, Einstein voice is one where uh, companies can build things on top of Salesforce and on top of voice. But they're also releasing, if I recall correctly, they're releasing tooling that will allow people to build these experiences across different devices too, which is an interesting move from Salesforce. I'm not sure entirely what to make of it, but if you're looking for something that is going to be 90%, 95% of the, the capabilities, right? Something that's not cutting edge, sure, go with Jovo, go with one of these other platforms. The downside, of course, is that if Alexa announces something, if Google announces something, if you want to use it and you're using a Jovo, you have to wait for Jovo. Whereas if you're building natively, so to speak, you can go in there and add it as soon as you have access to it. So it really, I think, comes down to your goals and where your comfort level is as well. I don't think there's really a wrong way to do it, especially considering the footprint of a voice application today and the fact that we're really only targeting these two platforms. Mm. Speaking of features and things that that kind of these platforms are releasing, um, the next thing that that we can touch on is that this was a few weeks back, but I think that it's definitely worth mentioning because it has such a, a huge impact is that Google have announced support for uh, multilingual uh, usership, I suppose. So this is where it doesn't matter what language you speak, providing Google Assistant supports it, you can just speak to Google Assistant in whatever your language is, and it will respond to you in that language. So for example, the, the example it gives online, which I'll include the link to the video in the show notes, is that there's a, a family, and I think a husband might be Spanish, the uh, wife might be American, but they kind of both speak both languages. And the, the wife asks Google something in English, gets an answer in English. The husband then asks something in Spanish and gets the answer in Spanish. So that has the potential to then open up this, this assistant and provide even more value to even more households, doesn't it? 
Yeah, I think so. And the the interesting caveat is that uh, I believe it's only limited to two languages at the moment uh, at a time. You have to specify ahead of time, but I think that's probably enough. You're most often going to see bilingual households more than trilingual or, or more households. And and I, I grew up in South Texas, and so a lot of my friends, a lot of the people around me would speak English and Spanish at home. Uh, perhaps they had uh, older members of the household who, who didn't speak English as well. Uh, and so here you're able to also include, if you have a multi-generation household where you have those different languages, you're able to include everyone in the house. It's not just the domain of one group or another. Mm. And visitors as well, guests, friends, and stuff like that, who who you know might speak uh, other languages or whatever. Um, what's what's the impact then in terms of for people and, and developers who have Google Assistant actions? Do they need to go away and translate all of their skills and provide a, an alternative language? Yeah, I think you have to. I think if you want if you want everyone in the house to be able to use that and use it in whatever language they want, then certainly we've talked about this before though, right? The, the issue is that either you have to be fluent in the languages that you want to, to localize in, or you have to hire someone, which not many people are making money in voice applications right now. Is it, is it really worth hiring someone at the moment? An alternative I think is, you know, if you have people who are truly bilingual, I think what you'll probably see is that they are comfortable sort of having in their mind two separate compartments. And this is, I use English when I want to interact with this skill or application. I use French when I want to interact with this skill or application. So I don't think it's necessary, but if you want to reach the largest audience, you're going to want to do that already anyway. And we'll link to, we did uh, a podcast on internationalizing your voice experience with uh, Micah Defua. So we'll link to that in the show notes if, you, if you're interested in uh, getting into detail and, and how to go about doing this stuff, um, then check that one out. So the next story, the last one on Google, um, this, is, uh, this was in Tech Advisor, and this is around the announcement that Google will be releasing a, uh, it's called the Google Home Hub, which is essentially, it's like the Echo Show. Uh, so it's a, a device, a Google Home device with a screen. Now, there's other things out there that I think LG might have announced something and there's other manufacturers who've got smart displays that run Google Assistant on it. But this is the first one from Google um, themselves. Um, and this is, so this was from kind of uh, last week. Uh, it's looking like it's going to be coming out uh, on the 9th of October. Oh, no. Oh, certainly hear more from Google's annual hardware event. There's no date for it to come out, actually, but the rumour is it's going to cost about £200. But the main kind of takeaway from this, and we can maybe... Uh, oh, sorry, here we go. 11th of October. <laughs> there you go. It is coming out. 11th of October. Um, I think the main takeaway from this is the move towards screens in conjunction with voice. That seems to be the broad kind of trend is that, um, and we can get into the uh, the Amazon Alexa announcements from, from last week as well, which we'll get into in a moment, but there was more and more devices coming uh, with screens. So what does that mean then for for brands and designers, developers who are, who are in this space? Dustin, does that mean we need to start seriously considering uh, more of a multimodal uh, experience? I'd have to think so. I, I would have to think so. And this is, I think, 
where Google has a lead on Amazon. And we'll talk a little bit more about some of Amazon's moves on this one, but you have certainly a lot more flexibility today using the assistance in terms of what you're displaying because it does have that, that phone background that it comes from. And I don't know if you've seen any, have you seen any of the screenshots or videos of the LG or JBL? I've seen screenshots of, of the LG one, I think. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah, from, it was from earlier on in the year, actually. So I've seen, yeah. I've yeah, seen this, this summer, both the LG and JBL uh, announced those and released them. And they look, they look gorgeous. The, the display looks great. The output looks great. The device itself looks great. So I was a little surprised to hear this news from Google. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it works, how it looks. But I think this is a positive because this isn't saying that voice isn't important. It's saying that voice isn't the output or the input mechanism for everything. There are some things where a display is going to work better and those two work really well together. Mm, yeah, and we've touched on this on the podcast a few times as well, haven't we, in terms of some things are really challenging to do with purely just voice. You know, if you've got long menu structures or if you have, you know, tabular information, then not everything works in a pure audio form. Um, so it looks as though these these are going to give... A, it's almost like a fallback, isn't it? If you can't handle it purely within voice, then, then you need some way of falling back. That's one way to think about it, I think. Another way to think about it is to take a cue from the web uh, and mobile development side a little bit with the progressive enhancements, where as new capabilities are added for a user, you provide those new capabilities to the users that have them. And the ones that don't, they still have a workable experience, but they're not getting the full experience perhaps, or they're not getting everything that you might build into there. So that might be something that people really need to start thinking about is, that progressive enhancement of, okay, well, this is a voice-only experience. This is a voice-first experience, meaning it has a display, or this is a voice-added experience where the display is actually taking the lead. And that's something that designers and developers need to really start keeping in mind as they're sketching out. So I think the big takeaway for me as a developer is that uh, ever upward, uh, more capabilities and more complexity, but more more benefits to, to the end user. Yeah, and, and more opportunities for, for those who are, who are building on, on these platforms. You know, if you've got more kind of uh, more tools in your kind of toolbox, then you can create ever more compelling stuff. It's true. I, the, I think one thing that's always been interesting to me about voice, though, are the constraints. The idea that you have these, these really well-defined constraints, and I think a lot of creativity comes out when you have those. So I'll take a moment to mourn perhaps the loss of these constraints, but I, I agree with you. I think this is all in all good news. Yeah, and I think that you're right in terms of, I think most creative uh, endeavors have some kind of constraints, whether it's time scale or costs or whatever it might be, tools that you're using perhaps. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's interesting that what I'm hoping, and for everyone listening who is, uh, you know, designers, developers, and brands, what I'm hoping will happen is that these things will be additive, as in they will add something to the experience uh, without taking away the the voice. Uh, I'd say voice first because it the should everything should be able to work, you know just with your, your voice, because that's where the efficiencies are, that's where the kind of time saving is, that's where the the um, the whole kind of 
opportunities are with this technology is we've never been able to just speak at something before and have it do what we want it to do so I think what, I'm, what I would employ everyone to do is when you've got these multimodal kind of experiences and you've got screens that you can incorporate as well is try and lead with voice yeah don't don't be lazy don't say there shouldn't be skills or actions that say sorry this is only for people with displays unless it's absolutely necessary good point so the next story then, Dustin, Alexa and Amazon have been hugely busy over the last week. Yeah. What sorry, is it? Eight... I don't know that. Oh, sorry. I better put her on mute. <laughs> you don't know that. You should do. You've been doing nothing but announce stuff over the last week. <laughs> and... What is it? What is it? Eight, eight new devices that we that we heard. Something like that. I think it might. I think it's eight eight new devices. But then in and amongst that, there's all kinds of you know, new functionality and, and, you know, new kind of, uh, all kinds of announcements around Alexa. So we won't maybe just get into absolutely everything, but, but from a, from a kind of flying through it all, there's two new echo. Well, there's more than two new echoes, but in terms of the traditional things that we see as echoes, there's a new echo dot and there's a new echo. Uh, what do they call it? Essentially it's just the standard echo, isn't it? The, the kind of slightly bigger one, uh, it's not in this list, but there is one. Uh, so there's two new Echoes. Um, I think the two interesting ones for me, there's other things in there. They've got an Echo Sub, which is potentially uh, looking to rival your likes of uh, Sonos. There's a uh, Fire TV Recast, which uh, is a um, seems as though it's like a live TV recording and broadcasting thing, almost like replacing your Sky or Virgin Box or whatever. Um there's a new Echo Show with a bigger uh, bigger display on there as well. And there's a few other things around a, a ring security camera. The most peculiar one, I think, is the microwave. So they've announced that they're going to release a microwave. Uh, and the Echo Input, which turns any normal speaker into a smart speaker with a little kind of Echo kind of um, little device that you plug your speaker into. And the Echo... Um, what's it called? There's no title on here. It's the Echo. Hmm. Which auto. One is there we go. It's it's the auto. Yeah. yeah. The auto, for, yeah. Yes, for the car. There you go. Yeah. So that kind of brings uh, the Alexa service into the vehicle. So obviously, Alexa have announced a load of partnerships with uh, BMW and, and other. Uh, car kind of manufacturers but this is a way of getting it into the older models which might never get that um so a whole bunch to digest there dustin we'll we'll get into what it means for the people behind the scenes the people within the industry all of these new device announcements but what what's your kind of impressions initially on on this whole fleet of <laughs> of announcements yeah. i think this i think this is what we've been seeing uh, recently especially with the partners but uh, Amazon's doing it first party now, which is they want to be everywhere in your home. They want to be everywhere in your car. They want to be everywhere that you are. Uh, we know we've seen uh, headphones with Alexa built in. We've seen, uh, like you mentioned, partnerships with car manufacturers. And now what we're seeing here with a microwave, with a clock, are uh, Amazon wants to be not just, hey, what's the weather, but it's really they want it to be a, an Amazon household. And I don't, I don't think today we're at a point where you're an Amazon household or you're a Google household or you're an Apple household. 
but that's certainly what these companies want. Uh, it's pretty easy to, to switch between platforms right now if you want to, but if you start adding the Amazon, the Alexa clock, if you start adding the Alexa microwave, then it gets to be that lock-in that these companies want where uh, you are an Alexa household. It's the same kind of lock-in that Apple have had, isn't it, with the iOS, um, you know, app, the iMacs and the kind of uh, MacBooks and phones. And yeah, you see, like. yeah, you see it on mobile, right? It's where I've bought $200, 200 pounds, 200 euros of applications, uh, of apps. So if I switch my Android to iOS, I no longer have that. Uh, what what do you think this means for brands? Do you think brands need to start thinking more holistically about this as well? I think so. I think that I don't know whether or not it will end up with Alexa households and Google households and things like that. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But we've already discussed that at the, towards the top of the show about how you know brands need to be having a presence on on whichever assistant because I don't think it's going to be one assistant rules all. I think we'll end up in a situation where there's plenty of assistants that all operate in, in for various uses and, and in various domains. Um, some of which will be Alexa, some of which will be Google, some of which will be things that we haven't heard of yet because they don't exist um but i think some of these announcements are interesting i don't know whether everything will be a success or not but i think what i find interesting about this is from from a um from a creative standpoint one of the difficulties is trying to establish a use case quite often isn't it so you know as, as a brand how can we kind of do something that adds value to a user that adds value to our business and that kind of is a perfect marriage of something of, of those two things um and, and finding a use case is something that people have trouble with one of the things I think around finding a use case is trying to understand context. So, you know, is somebody on the move with the headphones in or is somebody in the kitchen with plenty of time on the hands or is someone just got out of bed and, you know, it's half six in the morning and they're using like an echo spot or whatever. It's trying to find the contexts that people are operating in. And I think what some of these announcements do is they provide further context and further kind of defined um I suppose, scope for an interaction. So the the Echo Auto, it's only going to exist in a car, really. That's what it's positioned as. It's very unlikely that it's going to, uh, you're going to put one of those in your kitchen. So what that then does, you were talking earlier on about constraints and how and how kind of creativity kind of floss, uh, flourishes when you've got constraints. So that puts constraints on what you're going to be able to do. So somebody has one of these Echo Autos in a car, in a vehicle, that then gives you some context to design for. It gives you a scope and a space to start exploring ideas within. I think the same is true even of the microwave, funnily enough. You know, if you're warming up your Uncle Ben's rice, then you've got potentially a little bubble of time, a little kind of little kind of slot of constraints, as you mentioned, that you can start exploring use cases in. So I don't know whether or not they'll, they'll sell hugely, but I do think that it will provide certainly a great deal of opportunity for for brands. If you if, if you think about it as a way of of understanding the context that somebody's in, uh, and 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 trying to design use cases for that. And I think the other thing is on the Echo Show, another device, another screen bigger screen this time and I read one thing that was saying that the Echo Show uh, is looking to try and take over TVs in the kitchen so now you're in the realms of content you know uh, so I think I definitely think that the, the whole thing is is um, it's exciting and it is laden I think with opportunities uh, for, for everybody in the scene what do you think? Yeah I, I definitely agree and 
I think it's interesting that you mentioned context because that also means that if you are a brand building voice applications, you need to start thinking about the different contexts that people are in and whether your voice applications serve those. So if you are an Uncle Ben's and you can tell or assume that someone's in the kitchen, uh, then maybe they want step-by-step of a certain recipe. Whereas if they're in their car, then maybe they want a shopping list and and to be reminded uh, on their way home to pick up those. So brands need to perhaps in developers and designers. So far, we've only thought of, you know, the echo is when people are on the couch, Uh, but the echo, the echo show, the echo auto, all of these things are going to be in many different places. And the voice applications probably need to mirror where people are at a given time, at least if they want people to use it throughout the day. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. I'd be certainly will get more interesting if the ever became a time when we were talking beforehand, Dustin, and you were mentioning in terms of what the analytics are that you can get back, and you can't actually. You were saying you can't actually see what device people are using. But I think if you, if that ever became something, then that would give us you know some real insight in which to to iterate on, wouldn't it? If you could see if it's an Echo Auto or it's an Echo Dot that's being used. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that would be. Uh, it would provide for richer index experiences uh, for for customers. So I think developers are going to be pushing Amazon for that, whether it's in uh, the the online forums or in the upcoming re-events uh, events in Las Vegas. Uh, you can be sure that people are certainly going to be asking for that. One thing you mentioned was the, the new Echo Show, uh, which is, of course, a, a device with a screen. And that ties in well, I think, with another piece of news that Amazon announced. These flew a little bit under the radar in the news because they are much more developer-oriented, but this is the announcement of the Alexa presentation language. Uh, It's in preview right now, but they said that it's going to be rolling out pretty broadly in the next coming weeks. And what this does is this allows developers to go beyond the templates that are available right now. I believe there's seven templates right now that are available, six or seven and actually allow skilled developers to build much richer displays. Uh, these could have slideshows. These could be three column, four column, you know, whatever you want. And I think this ties in really well with the Echo, the new Echo show, but also with the Fire TV, with uh, the DVR that they announced as well. You know, uh, Amazon wants... Amazon wants Alexa everywhere and that includes on our on our TVs and other devices. How do you feel as a designer? Do you think this is going to be something that's valuable or do you think it's too much fluff? I think you've got I think I'm looking at this in the context of of the wider play so you know that's I think that the new Echo Show and the Google uh, Home Hub announcement and Facebook have been rumored for a long time to be announcing a screen-based uh assistant kind of device thing so i think that in in the broader scope of things i do think that we're going to have a lot more screens around you know not just on mobile i think that it's a it's it's a good experience to just have something you can look at something you can watch something you can consume without needing to go away and touch it or go over there and touch it so i can totally see that these devices over time will become um just as common as as the radio that you used to have in the kitchen or, or even maybe the smartphone in your pocket so 
immediately, I think that the usage of these devices is, is kind of not huge but i think that from a design perspective looking at the bigger picture and thinking about the future i think that, that these kind of enhancements are it's it's essentially kind of giving you a lot more flexibility over what you can what you can do which which is always a good thing because i think that certainly um you know the use case i keep coming back to is is the kind of kitchen that's the most common place for a smart speaker to be and that's probably where where some of these things will end up in a kitchen where you are you're doing other stuff you might be washing up you might be cooking you might be you know doing whatever being able to consume content and access content within that environment via your voice i think it will will be something that ends up growing that's that's, that's a use case where i think we'll see huge expansion is that con- content consumption while you're doing other stuff in the kitchen so rather than just having the radio on you might be able to watch youtube you might be able to catch up on whatever it is all without needing to touch anything so when i look at what you can do i mean the graphics and slideshows and text that's a very kind of primitive rudimentary kind of you know early stage stuff i would say but then it says soon video content synchronizing on-screen text and images with with the voice and stuff so that that leads me to believe that as the voice is saying something the images and screen might change and all of this just provides you as we said with with far more tools and far more scope for creativity so from a from a I'm thinking from the, from from a um, a content perspective. I think it gives you far more opportunity. So it's not just solely voice. It's it's hands free completely. But you've got far more scope uh, for 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 content. But then on on the kind of like pro- productivity side, this is it's more like the um, the bells and whistles from the productivity side. You know, showing that your order's being placed or you know giving some visual cues that things are happening. So I can see it, I can see it being helpful there. But I certainly think that the the bigger picture uh, over time as these devices get more and more prevalent uh, is is that you're going to be able to create more dynamic and more original content yeah i think that's certainly true and that ties in well with another piece of uh, news that also got announced which was that there are new tools for device makers to add screens as well so there's been the alexa voice service for a while for a long time now but now amazon is providing tools to add displays also. And it's interesting that you mentioned the home, but I think there's a lot of opportunity as well for commerce as well, commerce and business. You could easily imagine that uh, elevator manufacturers decide to start adding displays. You already have displays and some high rises that show the weather or whatever. But if you can tie that into uh, Alexa, I want to go to the fifth floor. Okay, like here's the people, here's where you're going to turn, here's here's the restrooms, like all that's going to be on a display or you plop this down in a conference room. Uh, Alexa, give me the sales numbers for, for last quarter. And that's going to be able to be read out on the display as well. So I think I think this is really exciting news because it does really open up a lot more use cases. If it's really just the Alexa voice service and People can build their own branded speakers. That's interesting, but it's a very small niche. But this allows uh, in the business, this allows maybe you have one, uh, a waterproof device by the pool. Like maybe you have all of these different outcomes and Alexa is going to be on all of those, at least Amazon hopes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think as soon as you start getting into the enterprise side, the use cases come thick and fast, don't they? You know, you've got 
meeting room meeting rooms um you know receptionist kind of situations there's all kinds of areas where where this can uh, can be applicable so i think that it's interesting that because the, the very the very two things that are very closely kind of linked and they both are pushing uh further capability than purely voice aren't they i think that's that's kind of the the takeaway i think that the, the kind of theme i suppose of this whole episode really is that voice first obviously is is where uh that's what's going to give rise to the opportunities but there is a huge kind of um introduction really from from both of the main platforms into into providing visual support as well yeah and and the screen is certainly one mode and it's it's certainly an exciting mode but the last piece of news from last week, well, not the last piece of news, but the last that we're going to discuss from the Amazon side is the announcement of the Alexa Connect Kit Act, which allows uh, companies to integrate this through a microcontroller unit, so a very small piece of the, the device. And Amazon will handle all the cloud communication with Alexa and this allows interesting things like I believe the microwave was created with ACK. I would imagine that the smart plug that they announced uh, would be uh, perhaps powered by ACK as well. And so this allows further encroachment or further addition of Alexa into all of these different devices. Can you see this being a, a popular thing for homes and, and uh, users moving forward? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, as you say, it's it seems as though um, it's it's more of a almost like a, a play to to hardware manufacturers potentially, but maybe it's not even established hardware manufacturers. I mean, you could always there's there's opportunities to to kind of I suppose for the entrepreneurial people uh, among the listeners and among the world that, that there's potential to create brand new categories but not necessarily categories but brand new kind of products based on on a on this kind of uh offering i think so i think it's definitely part of alexa's uh kind of angle to try and to try and put this thing absolutely everywhere um and yeah yeah i think i think for your likes of you know you can see the microwave you can see uh the smart plugs but then you've got coffee machines you've got washing machines you've got cars you've got all of these different areas where where kind of hardware sort of still uh is the is the primary thing that you'll interact with um so i can certainly see and, and when you've got companies like you know we spoke to jan lachelle from snips um at the start of this week um and the, some of the use cases that he was discussing and some of the kind of like um the privacy and security benefits that you might get from some of the smaller players it's not a marketplace that is without competition so i think that um you know it makes sense for, for amazon to try and to try and get this everywhere but then on the as i say on the kind of brand industry side you now have the potential to to go and create if you if you already manufacture hardware you've already got now the potential to uh, to integrate one of the world's most popular voice assistants uh with it yeah, for sure. Kane, are you going to be buying any of the new devices or things that uh, Amazon announced last week? I I do like the look of the Echo Show. I can see that being a, a in a prime spot in the kitchen. Um, so maybe maybe that might join come our way soon. Um, I'd be tempted to to try the Echo Auto as well. To be honest, um, I would just be interested in 
in um, just seeing what, what it's like and what the capabilities are. So I might go down the auto route. Um, I probably won't have any use for the input because every room's got some some kind of it's a Google Home or Echo thing somewhere. You can't, can't move without triggering one of them somewhere. Um, so, yeah, and, and one of the peculiar ones, I think, was the clock. I mean, it looks like a pretty smart clock, but one of the most common use cases is to ask Alexa the time, so you kind of be defeating the object a little bit with that one. So I'm, okay. I'm, I might bypass the clock, but um, I don't – and again, the microwave, I don't, I don't know about the microwave yet, but – I think yeah, I think over time, yeah, I'll, I'll probably the two the two main ones I'm interested in is the show and the input. But over time, maybe the others will will grow on me. What about you? I think if they come to Europe, I'll definitely be picking up a few Echo smart plugs because I'm still having to get up and turn on or off my fan like a 20th century peasant. So <laughs> if I can if I can control that with my voice, then that's that's all I need. Yeah, I actually I got a smart plug. Because for the baby's uh, milk making machine thing, the idea was that I'd get a smart plug, I'd set everything up, and then all I would need to do is get out of bed and say, Alexa, make some milk. And it would just trigger the plug. The th- machine would start, and by the time I get there, there'd be a bottle of milk sitting there. Turns out that when if you do that, you still need to actually press the button on the machine to make it actually work so i've got this smart plug sitting in the kitchen and i'm just wondering what i can do with it so maybe i might hook it up to a lamp or something like that yeah it's uh now you need a i think i saw someone online uh i'll try and see if i can find the video maybe we can include that in the show notes someone i think created a hand replica that will push a button uh, on the alexa (laughs) on alexa command that's good just hanging above a light switch Right, exactly. <laughs> Classic. Well, I think that just about wraps it up. I think. I think there's there's three really quick things that we could that we cover briefly um, before we wrap up. One is that uh, amongst all of these kind of announcements, Alexa. I know we've had a bit of an Alexa heavy episode this this week, but there's two things. One is uh, the whisper feature on Alexa, which means that you can start to whisper at Alexa and it will whisper back at you. But I don't know whether or not that means that you will need to do something in your skill to mark it up for whisper mode or whether it will whisper itself. I don't know, Dustin, whether you've come across this yet. I haven't come across it. I would guess that you probably don't need to, but you can also control the volume. So I don't know how those two are going to tie into each other. Mm. And then the other thing is Alexa hunches. So this is all around Alexa becoming a little bit more proactive and preempting some of the stuff that you might want to do with it. I know Brian Romilly, if you've ever heard him speak on the to- on the topic, he's very much an advocate of voice assistants, um, you know, doing our work for us, so to speak. So, you know, being more proactive, understanding the person, understanding what they're likely to want to do next. So this already happens on, for example, Dustin, you use Android phones. I'm assuming if you've got it set up, then you can get things like you know whenever it gets to the time when you typically leave work you'll get a little notification saying you know it'll take you so long to get home or whatever um yeah or you should have left for the airport 45 minutes ago what are you doing <laughs> get out of the house yeah 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 so this is taking that kind of uh, that kind of functionality onto the alexa platform so it'll be interesting to see how that develops i think that could provide some some real value and then the last thing very very final thing there was a samsung bixby webinar uh this week which i'm going to try and get the uh, link to if we can and put it in the show notes because apparently there's been some announcements on the Bixby front um, and apparently it's in, it's in beta now we spoke about it kind of on the podcast and touched on it before um, and we've both tried to get access to the beta program and, and not had any joy with it but apparently in November Bixby is opening for developers what do you make of that Dustin? 
Uh, I think the thing I make of it is Samsung, you need to hit us up. I've got an S9 Plus sitting right next to me. So uh, if uh, if I can build for it, uh, let me know. Let me and Kane know how we can do it. <laughs> Wicked. And uh, it'd be interesting to see where it goes. It, it might be a dark horse. It might be, uh, who knows what it'll be really. Uh, but it'd be interesting to see, to have a look at it and see what it's capable of. I mean, Samsung Samsung has had su- some success going off on their own, right? The, the gear watches that they have seem to be pretty successful, but then they also have some things that they roll out and uh, just haven't really had much success. And, you know, Samsung's a very popular phone provider, but if you build for Bixby, you're building exclusively for the Galaxies and the, the Samsung devices. Big manufacturer of hardware, though. So maybe if it's if it's something that they want to try and implement into the whole hardware ecosystem that they have, um, then you might not be developing just for Samsung phones. You might be developing for almost a Samsung connected home or or whatever. Right. Um, but the yeah. washing machines, the, the refrigerators, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so your washing machine will be telling your fridge that you need milk. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that kind of just about wraps it up, I think, for for this week's rundown. Uh, thank you, Dustin, for for joining us again. I think that's been an interesting one. Yeah, thanks, Dan. And uh, hopefully, the, the as I say, the the response from the first one was pretty good. Um, hopefully, you know, I think we've interested, we've uh, you know discussed a few interesting things uh, this week. So, you know, let's let's bring it to the people again uh, shortly. So, we'll see you on the next episode.